Well, hey there, rugby fans. Welcome to another great episode of Run, Pass, or Kick with your team from the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities. Alongside my partner in crime, we have Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And joining us to put him to the test in our Run, Pass, or Kick interview, we have the Major League Rugby referee, Scott Green. Scott, welcome to the show, my friend. Ty, how are you, mate? Thanks for having me. Rob, good to see you. Cheers. Excellent. Well, guys, if you are not yet familiar with how the Rugby Rant Run, Pass, or Kick interview works, I'm going to hand it over to our quiz master, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, to let you know how it works. So, Rob, take the floor. Thanks, Ty. All right, Scott, thanks for joining us. And I, I just want to explain for the fans out there that maybe aren't familiar with our style of interview, it's called Run, Pass, or Kick. And basically, it works like this. Uh, I will prompt each question with run, pass, or kick. If you decide to run with a question, that means you're going to answer it. Or you could decide to, you know, pass on a question. Maybe it's a little hot topic that you'd rather not touch. So you go ahead and dish it off. Or you can kick a question and have a little fun with us and uh, tell us that you'd like to answer on our behalf. And I'll assume that you're, uh, if you don't uh, indicate who is supposed to answer on your behalf, uh, that it's me. Otherwise, indicate either Ty or Rob. You all set to go on the Run Pass or Kick Challenge, Scott? I'm ready, mate. All right. Awesome. So I'm going to start off with a tough one. Um, and I know a lot of fans have really been interested in this question. Uh, after the first two seasons of Major League Rugby, many fans and players were concerned that officials' kit did not contrast enough with the players' kit. So Run Pass or Kick, is it safe to say that pink is your favorite color? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. I'll, I'll, I'll take that question. I'll run with it. Um, I do actually think the pink kit is pretty pretty great. Um, though last season it was a little bit shiny. Um, <laughs> but uh, A little bit yeah, too I, bling for you then, okay. Yeah, I, I think when you look at all the teams, I mean, there's not a lot of colours left on the palette for us to go, go with. So, um, yeah, look, personally, I'm a fan of the of the pink. And um, I also really enjoyed putting on the baby blues a couple of times. So, yeah, yeah. the baby blues look good. Uh, you know, I think the, so, yeah. In the upcoming season, is there a color that you would you would like to see if if you're going to go away from either baby blue or pink? Is there a preferred color? You know, I think I, I think we're sort of known now as 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 the referees that wear pink, and I think you know we're referred to when, when someone gets a bad call, I think we get referred to as the teams to say that we've been pinked, meaning that we've been <laughs> dealt a bad hand by the referees, which, you know, I think it's quite fun. Um, but look, I, I think let, let's stick with the pink. It looks, it looks good out there and it's unique to the league. So, yeah. Right. Well, next season, maybe uh, the Giltinis will be wearing a combination of that teal and uh, bright pink. So who knows? Who knows? A little more pink out there. <laughs> yeah, you're right, mate. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Well, from one official to the next, you know, there are a lot of things that can um, that are out there uh, on the field. You can kind of feel the presence of the fans and you feel obviously the presence of the players. And most certainly the scrums can be a difficult element of the game to officiate. So what I I think a lot of fans want to know, run past or kick, what is the most challenging part of officiating in Major League Rugby match? Yeah, um, I'll run with that question, Rob. Um, I, I think what we have in Major League Rugby is the level of player um, experience is so vast. We've got guys who have, you know, 
World Cup players. We've got guys who've just come off a college team. And you put, you know, you mix those 15 players, 23 players over a course of a game, um, and the experience level is so vast. That, and I find that to be quite challenging because you can talk to an experienced player who's got 100, you know, caps for his country. And, and when you deal with those players, they're quite reasonable. But you get a guy who's coming in for his, maybe his first game or it's his first year as a, a professional player from a, maybe a college team or a club team, and, that, you know, they're, they're really hyped up and, and wanting to, you know, sort of prove a point or, or go out there and show what they can do. And, and that can be quite challenging to find the right balance of, you know, letting them express themselves, um, but also keeping keeping a little bit of, you know, keeping them under wraps a little bit and, uh, you know, they get excited. So that, that's quite challenging, I find. To be able to control the kids on the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do find that, you know, it, it, over the last couple of seasons, we've had some really great international players come over and, and, and from a referee point of view, it's it's night and day when you deal with them. They know how to they know how to work a referee well. They know how to talk to a referee. Um, you know, I guess that comes with experience in, in any walk of life. But um, that, that's quite challenging. Just the mix of experience um, that that you get every day. You know, or every weekend when you go out to referee a team. Do, are there any techniques that you find useful in your in your arsenal of uh, uh, or quiver of referee? Uh, skills. You probably got a few of your own, Rob, as a school teacher. <laughs> well, of course, but nobody wants to hear about my experience. Yeah. They're listening to hear Scott. So, uh, you know, in your quiver, in your arsenal, are there some techniques that you kind of go to uh, frequently when you get um, some of those players that are a bit chirpy or chippy with you and, and you want to control the match, but you don't want to, you know, all of a sudden start flashing a card? Yeah, look, I, I think it's a lot like raising children. You know, if you've, if you've had, you know, if you've raised a couple of kids, you know, or been in a marriage, it's all about negotiating. Um, you're right. It, it, that's really what refereeing is. It's like, you know, this is acceptable. This is unacceptable um, behavior. I think um, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Understanding that these players are in, in a battle and, and they're functioning may, maybe more in a bit of a monkey mind, right? That, you know, at, you yeah. know they're putting their, their body on the line. Um, and they're taking some massive hits, you know. Especially, you know, as a referee, when you're out there hearing the hits, you're like, "Why did I even play the game?" So these these guys, you know, and girls are out there every weekend putting their body on the line. And I think just having a little bit of empathy and understanding what they're actually going through physically and emotionally um, really helps. And and just I, I think you know, over the years, when you first start refereeing, you're a little bit more like a police officer. You're out there. I know the laws. And I'm gonna I'm gonna catch everyone, and I'm gonna show you that I'm you know I know all the laws and and I got you I got you I got you. And as as your experience grows, you you have a little bit more wiggle room. Um, and I think you know players that they appreciate that. Um, and you, you've really just got the ultimate goal is to let the, the players express themselves. Right, that's the ultimate yeah. goal. We're there to let them express themselves. You just got to give them a couple of you know. It, a couple of bumpers on the side say, hey, look, you're going too far this way, you're going too far that way. Um, and ideally, right. ideally mm-hmm. they, they sort of sort it out themselves, really. And hopefully you strike that great balance, that yeah. firm but fair attitude about it that most players obviously receive well because they understand the laws and they respect the referee. 
And especially somebody like yourself, who's been fortunate enough to officiate at the highest levels of the game here in the U.S., um, correct me if I'm wrong, was it the past two finals that you had been the officiating referee? Yeah, yeah. I, I was given the honour to do the last two finals, which was great. And, uh, yeah, great experience. Right, absolutely, right? I mean, that's the pinnacle of the game right here in the U.S. So you can certainly count yourself among the elite when it comes to referee circles. But one of the things that I think myself and other fans would enjoy finding out from somebody with your experience is when you're on the field and you're looking at the scrum, and let's be honest, sometimes it's a mess. How do you really tell who's responsible for collapsing it? Do I have, is there a pass or kick option on this? You can run on that one. I want to know. I didn't even give you the option. You're just running that one. Look, it's, it's, uh, it's a very challenging part of the game, um, more so in Major League Rugby. I think Major League Rugby is different than any other league that we watch um, or rugby league that we watch. And I think, again, the, when you watch a premiership game or maybe a super rugby game, there seems to be a, a desire to get the ball into the scrum a lot of the times and just be happy to get the ball out, right? It's attacking platform. In Major League Rugby, we've all found the referee group that that every scrum is a, a battle for dominance. Very rarely does the ball go in and it just comes out and we're all going to get on. Like, there's definitely a feeling that every prop, every hooker are having a personal little battle. So, you know what? The loose head might be going in on one side, but the loose head's going in on the other side as well. Or, you know, or the, the tight head's driving in. You know, everyone's doing something. So it's very challenging. Um, I don't want to say that we guess, um, but I, I guess at the end of the day, you know, it's about momentum. And if a team's dominating, you know, you sort of, they get the they get the rub of the green, I guess. Right. I mean, it's a fair answer and it's a difficult job to do, which is why there are so few that are good at it. So you can count yourself as one of the uh, the great ones there. So I know I'm going to hand it back to uh, to Rob to fire the next question at you. So you spoke earlier about the significance of the fact that uh, international players uh, understand the game, understand the laws, understand uh, officiating, and therefore um, are oftentimes a little bit easier to work with and, and um, uh, much more uh, approachable when addressing concerns on the field. And one of my favorite players, uh, and I've been fortunate enough when he was in, uh, in Chicago to have met him, uh, TJ Paranara, uh, an all-black and uh, from the Wellington Hurricanes, one of my yep. favorites. Um, go the Canes, go the Canes. Yep, go the Canes. Uh, many say that he often tries to play – uh, the game and officiate the match. So run, pass, or kick. Um, and and you just ask Angus Gardner the challenge here. Um, run, pass, or kick. Who is the MLR's version of TJ Paranar? Oh, I tell you what. I think you know most nines are cut from the same cloth. I think they're all they're all just <laughs> like. Well, I, would, I wouldn't say that. So I, I find them quite endearing. Um, you know, they're, they're like a little uh, chihuahua running around nipping at your ankles, you know. Um, As a number eight, I'd have to disagree, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, I, I really respect how feisty they are and, and they do have a job to do in terms of um, managing the referee just because we basically run the same running lines all game long. So we spend a lot of time running together. 
I, I enjoy chatting to the nines as we're running around. If I'm in front of them and beating them to the next ruck, I let them know that, hey, for an old, for an old guy, you know, I'm showing you up a little bit, you know, so get, you know, get there. Um, there's a lot of good banter with nines. Um, they, they always complain about the ball being slow, um, of course. Um, and they complain about being, you know, um, hit off the ball a lot. So when when I get to a breakdown and, and the balls come really fast, I like to let the nine know. So I, for me, it's a bit bit of give and take. Um, I, I'm going to let a nine have a bit of a chat to me, but I'm going to have a little bit of a chat to him as well. So it can be quite a fun experience during a game when a referee and a number nine, you know, have that good balance of, of banter where it's, it doesn't cross over any lines. They get their point across. I'm able to get my point across to them and we can have a bit of a laugh as we're running around the field. So, Mm-hmm. So, so it, it sounds to me like you're a, a passing on identifying a particular player that's that's of TJ's ilk. Is that is that? No, the, I think I think um, <laughs> last year we had nine teams. Was it nine in the yep. league last year? So I think I refereed seven of the teams last year, and I think all nines uh, they're all the, they're all the same. They're all the same. <laughs> they, 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 they may vary in height by a few all inches. Cut with the same brush, cut from the same cloth, as you I, said. I, I think so. Um, you know, so yeah, something bred into the position, into the DNA of a nine. You know, learn how to pass, right. learn how to back chat the ref. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're usually the smallest guy on the field, so you've got to give them kudos for going out there and and putting their. Are body you saying on the that line. they've got more to prove? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you know, maybe maybe so. I do like to remind them when they throw a bad pass that it was a bad pass, and they like to remind <laughs> right. me when I miss a knock on that I miss a knock on. So. Nice, it's, nice. It's I like it. Yeah. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. Scott, just to let you know, my job is to be able to stir the pot. So uh, thank you for, uh, for for doing that for us there. I no like worries. No <laughs> worries. <laughs> to all nines out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, again, I like the flow of this because you've hit upon some important points that I felt fans want to know a bit about. And um, one of them is kind of interesting. Uh, this just came out this week, Rugby Pass, and, and much to uh, Ty's chagrin because – uh, he's South African, uh, one of our uh, good uh, fans out there who's joined the rant before. Uh, Benji, uh, you know who I'm talking to you. Uh, they're big Springboks fans. And, and uh, the rugby My condolences. My condolences. Uh, 32 12, my only answer. <laughs> Funny, that's what Benji says too. Um, <laughs> We're all trained the same way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the rugby pass just reported that the Springboks use psychological exploitation. Uh, on Rugby World Cup 2019 Rugby World Cup official Jerome Garcet. Uh, run past or kick, do a lot of teams try to get favorable calls by appealing to an official's ego? Yeah, I, I would say that's that's a, that's fair. Yeah, I, I would say that, yes, they do. Um, I'll run with that one. Uh, look, I think it's all part of the game. I think, um, you know, you have to use what's available to you and and if, if working a referee is productive then you know by all means you go and do it um you know it's not a one-way street you know i like to make sure that that before a game i have a chat with the players and and the key players in the team and and you know let them know that uh i've watched their their previous matches and i'm, I'm fully aware of what's going on so look yeah it happens all the time and as a as a referee you do learn to you know, it's a bit of a white noise, so you learn to block it out. Um, I think players probably think they're getting a lot more out of a referee than they really are because, you know, if a player is going to appeal, um, you know, casually appeal, let's say, um, 
you know, I'm going to nod and smile and say, yep, yeah, I hear you, mate, no worries. Um, I'll look out for that. So, but it's not going to change how I referee the game. Sometimes it's best to just appease a player by acknowledging, you know, you acknowledge, because most of the time what they're saying is, is correct. I mean, there's very rarely do you have players saying, hey, this guy's on the ground doing A, B, and C when it's not happening. So 95% of the time, the information they're giving me is credible information, and, and I'll put that in my pocket and I'll, you know, it, it, will, it will be on my radar. Um, but, look, every player calls for offside. I mean, every player is offside according to the, the, uh, the attacking team <laughs> at every breakdown. You know, every player is not rolling away according to the attacking team at every breakdown. Every ball is not straight at the line out according to the defensive, defensive team. So it's just part of the game. It's part of their strategy. Um, and, look, there's some, some players last year were great at it and, you know, Maybe I thought they were my friends, but they were just, you know, working me because I never got a Christmas card or a birthday card. Patty so, <laughs> Ryan, I'm talking the to you, mate. Patty ah! Ryan, where's there my we birthday go. card? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. I want names. I, I'm liking where this is going. Yeah, we'll yeah. close that for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I was going to ask you what the best compliment you ever gotten was, but, you know, I, I, I pretty well imagine now Patty Ryan gave it to you. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I, I am, I'm known for my hair, so I know that at the moment I'm, a, I'm in the COVID, um, you know, quarantine, and I, I haven't had a haircut since um, since March. I've been cutting my own hair, so, you know, it's a bit rough, but she's a bit of product in there, you know. <laughs> it looks good, mate. Oh, it cheers. I appreciate it. I, I tried to mimic what you had going on there just a little bit. Yeah, Oh, how nice, guys. <laughs> not so, that I'm not out here at all. Not no, you, I'm here. Your, your, your facial hair's on point, Ty, so yeah, you, you, right, you got, that, you've got right. me there. Yeah. <laughs> you've got me there. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, uh, Rob and I were actually talking about this a little bit while back, not too long ago, though, but, you know, there's a lot of changes and rugby evolves so quickly. Uh, Rob, you had an eloquent way to be able to ask this question about the new rugby laws and what is the influence on the game. So can you deliver that one for us? Yeah, a World Rugby and the Australia Rugby Union era, you were trialing some law changes. And, and there are three, I think, that in particular stood out. Uh, red-carded players that can be replaced after 20 minutes. Um, the goal line uh, dropout. Um, when the ball's uh, uh, touched down inside the uh, try zone. And then the 50-22 rule, uh, run, pass, or kick, which of these do you think adds the most to the game? Yeah, look, uh, I'll run with that one, and then maybe I'll kick it back for your opinion um, as, as you know, spectators and rugby fans. But for me, I think the, um, the dropout when you're held up in goal, um, I, 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 like that I, I like that idea. One – because it takes the pressure off a referee, because five-meter scrums are, are, are not a nice place for a referee to be. <laughs> only because no matter what decision a referee makes five meters from the goal line, it, it usually has a quite a big effect on the on the game. Right, it's under such scrutiny. Yeah, and, and look, you know, if, if you get it wrong, it can really affect the outcome of a game. You know, if you give them a try or if you don't give them a try. Um, and also, as we talked about earlier with the, with the scrumming in Major League, there's such uh, a competition at the scrum, that both teams are there five minutes from the goal line. You know, the defensive team's going to do anything they can to, to stop a try. The attacking team's going to do anything they can to, to, to score. Um, and the poor referee standing there going, I have to make a decision. 
Mm. Um, so I, I really like that one. I, I think that it, just from the refereeing point of view, but just as a rugby fan, you know, it gets a little bit old, these these try line, you know, sort of defensive stances that go on and it's pick and go, right. pick and go, pick and go. Um, I like that they got rid of the, the goal pad law yeah. um, because that, that was quite, you know, that was unfair to the defensive team. So for me, I'm like, look, if, if you have a go, if you're not going to get the ball down, you're still going to get it back, but it's up the field. Or maybe it's going to encourage teams to be a little bit more creative closer to the end goal. You know, maybe the ball goes out to the back line a little bit more rather than that pick and go, pick and go stuff. Um, so look, I, I think that's a great one, um, personally. The 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 kick, um, the 50-22, is it? Yeah, yeah. To me, that just sounds, it just feels like rugby league and, and you know, a lot of rugby fans. from the 40-20 rule for sure. Yeah, and I think a lot of rugby fans are a little bit worried that we're turning into a rugby league type game just to bring the fans in, you know. Um, so, you know, though I understand what they're trying to do, you, you keep the fullback or the wingers back in, mm-hmm. in the field to create some space. I'm just not too sure, you know, if it's something that I personally like. And also, as a referee on the field, you know, was he inside the 50 when he kicked it? I don't know. It, yeah. You know, it, it, could, it could create, you know, some, some you know, poor calls in that sense, you know. So that, that one, look, anything around safety, I'm, I'm all for. I know there's some trials going on with the tackle height below the, below the waist. Um, yeah. To me, that seems a little bit weird, you know, um, to, to police that. At one point, we start asking, us, I start asking ourselves, when have we moved so far away from what the game really is? Yes, yes, exactly. So, look, this, look I, I think, you know, it's, it's good that our sport embraces these trials and we're, and we're prepared to sort of, you know, move the game forward. Um, though some of them, you know, I do scratch my head and go, really, I have to go out and officiate that and, and, <laughs> and implement that? Because, you know, the players look at you like, what, what's going on here? I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm with you, mate. We're in the same boat. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, I'm going to have to right. yeah. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm with you. As a rugby fan, I'm with you. As, an, as a match official, unfortunately, I've got to penalise you. Yeah. So Right. And then the, the red card one, which is you can replace a player after that 20 minutes of absence. How do you feel about that? Absolutely love that. I, I think yeah. that it's a, it's a great trial. Um, you know, for several reasons. I think when you send a player off, with a red card early in the game, right? It, it just changes the dynamic of the game. Now we've all seen those games where the fourteen, the team with fourteen, who's a man down, they come back and they win, and you know it's a great party and it goes on for the whole weekend, and you know that happens once in a while. But usually you're signing, you know, the game's done, and and, and you know as a fan of the game because that's really what we all are. You know, I'm a fan first and a referee after that. Um, you know, it, it's a shame. It puts a lot of pressure on the referee too when, when yep. you have to send someone off, especially community rugby or, or rugby without a TMO, the amount of pressure that a referee has to, you know, deal with making those big decisions um, is, is quite a lot. So I like the fact that, look, you've done something wrong. It's a little bit more than a yellow card, but let's bring another player on so we can have a 15-on-15 game, which I think is the best game overall. I, I think that's a great point because, you know, as an official – as you pointed out early in the game, you know, 15 minutes in, you're you're now faced with saying, okay, this was a severe penalty. It's beyond a yellow, but do I want to essentially send somebody off and a team plays the entire game 
you know, one man down, which could entirely make this a lopsided affair. And yeah. when you're talking about bonus points and, and, and things like that, that can have a significant consequence, not just on the game, but on the table. Right. But, you know, when you get into deep in the game into 15 minutes left or, you know, 10 minutes left, you're less likely to think about that. And, you know, referees are human beings. They, they process things in an intellectual way. And unfortunately, sometimes I think that's just the way an official thinks and, and yeah. wrong or right. It, it, it puts, I think, too much pressure on the official. Yeah, with, you, with, you, yeah. yeah you're totally yeah. right, Rob. I mean, look, if, if you're refereeing in the Premiership League and you have TMOs and you have 32 camera angles to deal with right. or use, yeah. hey, you know, it's a different kettle of fish. You know, community rugby, even major league rugby, where we still are without a TMO. Right. These are big decisions. And, and you know, look, the, these team owners, they're putting a lot of money on the line. Um, the players are putting a lot of time on the line. And, you know, when it comes down to, you know, the referee that's going to make a, a split-second decision on something that he's seen or, or, or she's seen, and it has a huge effect on the outcome of the game and then also a huge effect maybe on the season. You know, you get to the, you know, the business end of the season, you don't want to be sending people off, you know, and make and for the wrong reason or, or have made a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's why yeah. most people don't envy the job that you have. Uh, it obviously is a lot of pressure and it's under incredible scrutiny. Um, you actually hit upon my next point that I was going to bring up. So yeah. you can run past or kick on this question that I'll deliver to you. And in reference to TMOs, obviously the league itself with MLR, it's not at that point where every broadcasting is at the same level. Subsequently, sure. not everybody has access to TMO. Only, I think, two venues have uh, the equipment to be able to do so and can regularly have several angles that can make it possible. I guess run past or quick my, uh, uh, kick, my question would be, what do you think of the TMO being used in MLR and uh, what do you think its uh, its impact really is on games? Yeah, so I think in season one we had the TMO for the semifinals and the final, I believe, and then we, we there was talk about bringing the TMO in for all the games. But as you said, it's just it, it comes down to the venue. Do they have you know the you know enough equipment or the big screens to use one? And then the cost is quite quite significant per game. The cost they bring in a TMO. The extra equipment needed for the, you know, the the broadcast, et cetera, et cetera. So that was quite, you know, it was cost prohibitive. Um, and you know, look, as a referee, I would love nothing more to, than to have a TMO available um, because there's nothing worse than going home and and putting on the game and you watch something that you've you've done and you've made a mistake or there's been an error and you're like, oh, it's clear as day on the video and you, you there's no way we can you know resolve that live in the game. So. But I think most referees that you talk to and players would, would agree that, you know, the TMO uh, should be something that we, we look into bringing into Major League Rugby at some point. Um, you know, and now that it's a professional sport, I think, you know, these decisions do cost money at the end yeah. of the day. I mean, I know yeah. it's sort of, it, it, we break it down, you know, rugby is a fun game, but at the end of the day, it's now a business. And I think, you know, the team owners should be, you know, looking at a TMO and, and just to get these big decisions right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's well put. You know, uh, sometimes we forget, you know, especially those of us who played cr club rugby for quite some time, that rugby is a business. And oftentimes we've got to remember that that's a component that we're now dealing with in the MLR. Yeah. And speaking of that, I th think this next piece really um, 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 
delivers on that mark. On August 6th, the MLR issued a press release that Jonathan Kaplan and Chris Pollock uh, will take the lead in an appointment uh, and development of match officials, run pass or kick as one of the top officials in the league. What do you hope to gain from this process? Yeah, I'll run with that one, Rob. Um, look, Jonathan Kaplan, I mean, if you've been in watching rugby, you know who he is. I mean, this guy's got, you know, tons and tons of experience. Um, and Chris Pollock, I know Chris Pollock. Um, he's from my hometown in New Zealand. Um, and again, another referee with just huge amounts of experience. And and that's what it's all about. I mean, no different than a player. You know, refereeing development is no different than player development. If, if I'm running around the field and I've got, you know, someone who's got 100, you know, test matches under his belt or World Cups under his belt, who doesn't want that guy, you know, teaching you some stuff? It would be like having Maunanu down in San Diego, right? You imagine being a, a, a college player coming out and being signed for San Diego and this is your guy who's teaching you. So for a referee, it's very similar to that um, with, with those two. So, you look, I'm excited, um, you know, to, to see what they do and, and, and hopefully they can, you know, teach me a bunch of new tricks. Well, I wanted to be able to add a follow-up to that one there. Um, so run past or kick on this one then, Scott. Were you and the rest of the MLR referees consulted on this change in the, in the league, bringing in Kaplan and Pollock? Um, can you offer some reasoning behind that and were you consulted? Yeah, so no, we, we're not consulted because that's, that's above – above my um, pay grade. So I, the, the way I understand it works is every year um, the position for the referee group management is, is posted and you apply for it. So um, it, it's basically you're applying for a job. And, um, yeah, I, I guess that they, they as in the team owners or the, or the decision makers thought that they wanted a change um, and, and they went with it. Um, you know, Richard Every was – the referee manager previous two seasons and, and the, the beginning of the third season before it was shut down. And he's been involved with USA rugby referees for the last, you know, 20 odd years. And, and my whole referee career has been under Richard Every. Um, and, you know, he, I thought he did a fantastic job. Um, but just as, as in any business, you know, change happens. And, um, you know, I think we all, we all look forward to the future and, I, and I'm, I'm certainly excited for, for, to see if Chris and um, Jono, and get this uh, old fella around the field for another couple of seasons. <laughs> <laughs> so, so on that note, um, speaking to this new initiative, as far as officials goes, what's one thing the league could do to improve upon um, and improve upon, excuse me, to help officials better regulate matches? Yeah, look, that's a good question. And I answer that question quite often because, you know, when you talk to fans or you talk to players um, or coaches, especially teams have just lost, you know, there's, there's a level of frustration and they ask that, like, you know, how can we make you guys better? How can we do this? And and with refereeing in, in America, there isn't a lot of opportunity like there is for players. So if you, if you think about refereeing as, as like you would as a player, like a player's out there with his teammates and, and, and practicing the game on a Tuesday, maybe, you know, in the professional league, it's four or five days a week. They're out there with their team. They're doing their reps and, and, and they're practicing, practicing, practicing. Referees don't have that luxury, especially in, in, in America. So down, I'm, I'm in Austin, Texas right now, and we would cover roughly 600 to 700 games a year as the Texas Referee Society. Wow. 
Now, if you go over to Auckland, you, you'll probably be getting 600 games over a weekend. So when you think of the numbers, you know, it's all about repetition for a referee, much like a player. You know, if you want to teach a player how to catch and pass, you know, it's repetition, repetition, repetition. Referees, we don't have the luxury or the ability to, to rep live rugby like you do as a player. So our, our pathway and our, our progression, you know, it takes a lot longer than it would as a player um, because the games aren't there. Now, you look at Major League Rugby, you know, before Major League Rugby kicks off in February, you know, how many high-level matches are there available for referees to, ref, you know, officiate to get that practice in and get their reps up. It's very few. So that, that's a big concern for, for referee developers and trainers and coaches across the country. It's like finding quality matches week in and week out. Um, and if you look at any season of professional sport and look at the referees, the first couple of weeks, it's a Super Rugby New Zealand. First couple of weeks, everyone's, you know, the penalties are high. Um, the public's complaining a little bit about it. Then, you know, two or three, four weeks in, the referees sort of find their groove right. and then the rest of the season goes quite well. And much like a player does or a team does, their first preseason games are a little bit rough, you know, a little bit rough around the corners. Um, but eventually, a few weeks in, everyone finds their groove, they settle down, there's some feedback going on. Um, so that, that's that's the challenge that I find um, being involved in referee training in Texas is, is just finding the opportunity to expose new referees or even experienced referees to high-level games consistently. It's very difficult. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You talk about that element of rhythm and getting in the groove, so to speak, when you're officiating. It's really hard to do as a season kicks off, right? Um, but as you begin to officiate more matches and get those matches under your belt, you find that rhythm and you figure out how to how to work with, with athletes and you figure out how to work with – well for coaches and you figure out how to, you know, um, really work with, in your case, touch judges uh, to make the game more, go more smoothly. Um, and you touch upon that development piece and you, you've hit upon certain pieces. And one of them, the big one, you mentioned the amount of matches that New Zealand officials officiate comparatively to officials in the United States. So I was wondering, run faster kick. Can you just elaborate how much, does referee development program in New Zealand differ from that of the United States beyond the reps? Yeah, I'll pass on that only because all my refereeing has been done in America, so I can't really speak, you know, to what they do down in New Zealand, though I can only assume it's really good because, you know, it's New Zealand. So <laughs> um, The only time this rep will be biased. But, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's right. So I, I, can't, I can't really speak to it. But, look, you know, it's development of referees in this country is for all sports is a struggle. And even, you know, over the last, you know, four or five years, it seems to be getting harder and harder to entice players to come over and referee because at the end of the day, yeah, you, you cop a lot of, of – of, um, stuff during the game and on the sideline. Um, so it takes a, a special person who can handle the feedback. We call it feedback. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a judicious I, way to put it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> look, I think you, you, we have, the, you know, the, we have the players and the coaches, we have admin, and, you know, refereeing is sort of like the, the, the red-headed stepchild yeah. um, of rugby. And, you know, Ultimately, you know, the more players that, that, that turn to refereeing when their career's done or their knees gone or what have you, 
and and we can sort of change that 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 outlook on refereeing that it's it's not for me it's it's for it's a competitive sport refereeing um if you ask most people who go out on a saturday to the local park and play play rugby they're not going to look at that referee and be like hey that's a pathway that i want to jump on so the more the more young um, players who get involved, even even major league rugby players, if they get out on a Thursday and go to a high school game, like we can we can change the narrative around what refereeing is and, and change it to being like this is a an, a, an athletic endeavor that has a lot of lot of um, the pathways to the top are there, um, and you know I've, that that would help quite a lot. Yeah, you, you know it's you're funny you say that. I I always have a saying like as I look in the crowd and sometimes as you say, you know, fifty percent of the people up in the stands are going to like what you're doing, right? And so you look at the other fifty percent and you say, you know what? To get in this stadium, you should have had to officiate a match prior to being here, and then you'd know what it's like to be on the whistle, right? Right, because yeah, everybody yeah. can uh, make that yeah. call from their couch. Right. Right. Well, look, I think that's, look, if you're going to pay, you know, your twenty dollars to go and sit at a stadium watch Major League Rugby, you know, you know, you've earned the right to give me some feedback, and I think that's all part of <laughs> part of the fun of going to a live sporting event. Um, and look, and, and even though there is feedback, the majority of people, ninety nine point nine percent of the feedback we get is is banter and fun, and and after the game, both the losing and winning teams are, are, are very right. nice to the team. So it, look, it's a gr- great community and. Um, you know, it's it's fun to be part of it. I like that. And in the interest of some banter and fun, yes. I'm going to try my best here to be able to get you to uh, uh, to pass on this one or to get an answer out of this one. But you can't okay. get it back, okay? I'm not allowed okay, to pick this one. Okay. There's your only options. You're not the kicker, okay? So if you, like you say, are a fan first of the game and then the yes. referee second, what MLR team would you support? Oh, I, I have <laughs> Look, I, I have to. I have to pass. I have to pass. I, 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 if I answer, if I answer that question, I I think um, you know the other eleven teams would be sending me uh, you know emails. So right, right. You eleven Christmas cards you do not get anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, but I do. I do have my favourites. Um, and you know, as shallow as it may seem, a lot of it's just based on the uniforms. You know, if I like the if I like the uniforms, I. I, I uh, you know, I, I like the team, but uh, do you like the color red? I, 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 I like attacking rugby. I like wide, expansive rugby. So, all right, team, teams that like to get the ball out, you know, past their thirteen and have a go. I really, I really enjoy officiating that. Um, when you have to get out there and run as fast as you can, that that's a fun day. Um, you know, being in the trenches all day, pick and go, pick and go. You can, you can figure out what teams I'm talking about and what teams I'm not. I right, right. <laughs> and so, yes, I love the fact that you, you're you also, by the way, if the rugby career doesn't work out, you make a great politician because you yes, yes, yes. And your sidestep is unbelievable. Yes, <laughs> yes yeah, maybe, maybe you should add that on. It should be a part and sidestep. I love it. You know, that's exactly what this is all about, though, Scott. And I know that I'll echo the very same thing uh, when, when Rob has said, you know, we're all about making people look good on the show. We're all about spreading the, the joy of the game across North America and hopefully beyond that other people who are tuning in can learn a little bit more about the game here in the U.S., which does look different to what they know and love. But it is an exciting game, as you so rightly pointed out. There's a lot of running rugby, a lot of great stuff happening in this side. 
And we're glad to be able to hear that officiating and raising the level there is another great step forward for the MLR as a whole and that you can be a part of that as well. Now, just before we leave, did you want to share a final thought for any of your fans out there? Any shout out to somebody important? Look, what I would like to say is that even though I can't officially say what who my favorite team is, if you all want to send me some kit, that's, that's fine. I'm wearing, I'm, wearing, I'm, I'm wearing a large at the moment because it's the off season. So right, any, okay. any large kit, send it over and, you know. So there you have it, Rugby Rant fans. This referee can be bought for a price. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Scott, you have been an absolute sport. We've loved and enjoyed every moment of it, as I'm sure all of those who were tuning in to be able to watch this episode will the same. And uh, your insights as a referee is seldom what we get to learn about and hear from somebody like yourself. So all the more valuable to the rugby fan in North America. So thank you for joining us. And for those of you that have tuned in, and watched our show here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. We thank you for taking that time. Make sure that you like, follow, and comment on our post below. Let us know what you think about the rugby laws, or what you think about the referees and the TMO, anything that we've discussed herein, and we'll make sure we get to be able to answer that as soon as we can. On my behalf and that of Rob and Scott, we say thank you for watching the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Cheers. Cheers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.